Well, welcome everybody, and thanks so much for coming. Um, very exciting project, I think, for the college ahead of us, which uh, we'll get to learn a little bit more about um, in, in the next hour or so. Um, the plan is to, to, to present a kind of overview of the project, uh, issues concerning the siting, the timeline, and what, what the project is like to look a little bit like, uh, but then open it up uh, for some time for questions and answers if you've got queries or questions. Uh, we've both got uh, the, the principal architect of the project, Michael Reagan here, Michael from Stantec, um, and then we also have Jim Kreef uh, from Pepper Construction, Jim's sitting down here at the front, uh, who's going to be taking a lead role, uh, obviously, in the practicalities of, of actual construction when it begins. Um, as, as you all know from the email that went out, uh, this is a pretty big, one of the biggest projects uh, in the college's history in terms of its uh, the academic building investment. $40 million investment that's going to dramatically uh, improve, expand, and transform our science uh, facilities. Um, it's a project that's really an outcome of the strategic planning process that we concluded about 18 months ago, that that process identified a key priority for the college being uh, to improve, enhance, and extend uh, our science facilities, uh, both to respond to uh, increased student interest and demand, uh, a recognition that uh, much of our science uh, building, particularly Johnson B and Johnson A, is outdated and no longer adequate uh, to serve uh, the needs of a, a 21st century science program, uh, but also a desire to uh, create a facility that would better facilitate uh, interdisciplinary collaboration and particularly bring together a number of separate strands uh, of our program into a single facility. And so most notably, as a result of this project, the psychology department will uh, relocate to the new facility along with environmental studies so that we will have a much greater uh, conjunction, intersection of those various areas, which I think will help further uh, programs like the neuroscience program. Uh, we also want to uh, launch the long-awaited uh, biochemistry and molecular biology interdisciplinary program and uh, as I've already mentioned, environmental studies uh, provide better and, and, and more extensive uh, support for, for that program uh, as well. Uh, just a quick word about uh, Michael as project uh, chief architect. Uh, Michael is a nationally known uh, specialist in the designing of science facilities for educational institutions and especially known for his work with small colleges. Uh, I first became aware of his work uh, quite some time ago when uh, he was very uh, leading the effort at Lawrence University, one of our ACM counterparts uh, in their uh, renovation and dramatic expansion of their science facilities. Uh, he's just recently finished a project at Monmouth College, another one of our ACM uh, sister institutions, uh, a major new science project there. And he's also involved in a project that is underway right now at Carthage College, uh, just up, up, up the street. So uh, I was talking to a colleague friend of mine from Davidson College, one of the top liberal arts colleges uh, on the East Coast, just last week. And she was asking me about the science project. As soon as I said Michael was involved, uh, she was delighted. Uh, she knows Michael well. This is Verna, Verna Case. Um, uh, so uh, a reputation that really is genuinely national. So I think we're very, very fortunate to have Michael here helping us through this project. And so without sort of any further ado, I'll call on Michael to, to lead us through where we are with our thinking and planning at, at this stage. Thank you, Michael. Very generous. Uh, it is uh, the science facilities for, on campuses like yours really is uh, something that, that I truly love. It is, this, it is the kind of project that I've been working on 
uh, for about 30 years now. Uh, I, I have to be honest, I, when going into architecture, I didn't plan on being a science architecture, an architect, but uh, after the first lab uh, was a chemistry lab at Harvard, uh, I, I was hooked. It was just the, 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 the meat and the guts that you deal with and the detail uh, and, and working with wonderful people on small campuses that are passionate about what they do. It's just, it's just a great mixture of things. And um, my history with this campus uh, goes back many years. Uh, we, I was involved, uh, continue to be involved in an uh, organization called Project Kaleidoscope. It's an organization uh, uh, with the goal of strengthening undergraduate science and uh, STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math programs at liberal arts colleges. And we held our first facilities workshop here way back in the early 90s. Um, I, I became aware of uh, this college campus's passion for science then and uh, was delighted that I could be, participate in this important project. So it, it, is, it is a personal uh, commitment of mine to, to make sure this project uh, is uh, done to the best that we could possibly do. So the agenda I have today, and, and I, it's, it's not a full hour of, of slides. I'm happy to take questions along the way. Feel free if you want to. Um, I'll definitely leave some time at the end, uh, but this is, these are the things I wanted to cover. I wanted to cover uh, generally where we've been and where we're going in terms of schedule and process. I uh, want to make sure we all understood what we call success metrics. At the end of the day, when we say, did we do a good job, these will be the metrics that we will be judged by. I'll talk about the facility program requirements. Up to this time, that's primarily what we've been focusing on. What is the list of spaces that need to be part of this project and how might they be organized? Um, I'll, that's basically what we call the facility program of requirements. I'll share with you the siting options that we looked at as part of this initial pre-design phase and then I'll show you where we are today but recognize it is, it is at the very beginning of a very long process uh, things might change. Hopefully they're not going to change dramatically. We're starting to have our first round of, of uh, meetings with the faculty after the pre-design phase and uh, we're making small adjustments, nothing, nothing major, but, but understand it is just what we're going to show you is really just the, the initial stages of this project. So where have we been? Uh, in, our, in, our, in our world, uh, what, we've, what we've completed is what we would call the uh, pre-design phase. It's, it's basically that phase where we try to understand the, the, the pieces and the parts that need to go in part of this, in this building and generally how they might be organized. We call that pre-design. And it, uh, it involved uh, five separate meetings on campus starting in June. Um, we developed uh, a variety of, of, of options in terms of uh, concepts. We've, we have a cost estimate. We have a, uh, we have a better understanding of, of how much uh, this project is going to cost at this point. And we have a general idea of what this building is going to look like. So that took all of uh, basically the summer and a part of the fall. Um, as we move forward now, we're in what we call our first, first phase is called schematic design. Um, we're proposing uh, uh, that to be uh, uh, three months of, of, of effort with three different uh, uh, review sessions. We're in our first session there. Uh, at the end of March, uh, we'll have our good friends with uh, Pepper Construction, by the way, with whom we completed Monmouth College. So we have a, a great relationship. That was a, the, the project at Monmouth was a tremendous success. We had a great uh, working relationship with Pepper, and now you've got the same team on your project. So we, we feel pretty great about that. So with Pepper's help, we'll, we'll make sure we're on budget at the end of March. But that's just schematic design. And schematic design basically is, 
is, is uh, developing a better understanding of some of the details of the spaces, but certainly the arrangement of spaces. That's all we're trying to get out of schematic design is just a, a pretty good idea of how everything goes together and, and generally details. But note that after schematic design, we have another phase called design development where we're getting into the real nitty-gritty details. Um, we'll pick colors at that point. We'll propose specific finishes, but um, everything related to design we do in design development, we're showing that to be a three-month effort with monthly, basically, three reviews. We'll make sure we're on budget with Pepper's help then. And then we start the final phase called construction documents, which is really the documentation that Pepper will need to build this building. So it's a fairly lengthy process, almost a year. Lots of reviews in between. Want to make sure this is done carefully and, and, and we confirming we're on budget the whole time. But you'll note that the few bars down there at the end, we're going to start doing pieces of construction documents so we can get a, we can get a jump on construction. Sometimes we call that a fast track approach where we're starting construction before all the construction documents are done. Any questions on schedule? Um, the rest of the schedule, though, shows, uh, so we just looked at this. We're at the very beginning of what, what will lump into design and documentation. Construction will start uh, at, toward the end of this year. Um, and that will start, we will be demolishing uh, the uh, Johnson C Wing, where the Chicago program is, is sited now. Um, that demolition will occur probably this summer. We'll start construction uh, late this year uh, of the addition, and I'll show you what that currently is looking like. Somewhere, uh, the, the current schedule shows, somewhere while we're building that addition, we're going to vacate Johnson B. We, I think we're hoping to keep this room operational, but maybe not the rest of B uh, uh, upstairs. Uh, we'll move back into B before the addition is done. Um, we'll we'll uh, move into the addition uh, once it's completed sometime in 2017, and then we renovate Johnson A, basically the bulk of Johnson A. Not doing much to Johnson D, the Dixon Wing. We, we think that's in pretty good shape. Uh, it's the newest of all the, all the buildings, and uh, uh, so we're pretty much going to leave that online operational throughout this whole thing, but all concluding sometime at the end of 2017. That's the overall schedule. At the end of the day, these are the things that we want to be judged by if we did a good job. Um, and you'll note the word interdisciplinary is, is peppered throughout that, and, and the dean obviously identified that as a key goal. If, uh, I'm sure you're all aware that interdisciplinary science is what most research is being done. The, the government is specifically funding interdisciplinary programs. There seems to be general uh, agreement that, that interdisciplinary programs uh, are more successful. Um, and so we want to carry that through the, the science building. Um, and certainly neuroscience and BMB are all prime examples of what that is. So we want to reinforce those programs. We, we want to increase the number of students and faculty in, the, in those interdisciplinary fields. Um, facilitate training, science and experimentation and inquiry. Flexible labs for multiple purposes. This kind of goes with the interdisciplinary notion because we can't always predict what those connections are going to be. Maybe it's between biology and psychology. Maybe it's between physics and biology. Biophysics is an important uh, component these days. 
uh, biochemistry. I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's just a variety of connections that are being made. We can't predict what they're going to be in the future, so we want to build in a certain amount of flexibility to allow different connections to happen over the next 30, 40 years. But at the same time, the fourth bullet, you see, we, want, we acknowledge that, that in some cases there's some very specific science uh, applications that need to be accommodated, whether it be in physics or biology. Um, there's some things that, that are difficult to do in a flexible, multi-purpose way. They're very specific, and we have to attend to those. Um, labs with state-of-the-art research and instrumentation retain and attract a diversity of students, and, and all the while, this has to be an energy-efficient building. We've been, we've, at Stantec, have been designing energy-efficient buildings before it became a trend, um, so we're fully aware that uh, we'll do everything possible to make sure the operation of this building is, is uh, efficient. I won't go into the details of the facility program, but I will show you this graph that gives you an idea of how things are changing in terms of the types of spaces. So the yellow is what we currently have in terms of net square feet, NSF, net square feet, that's basically the area that we use. Gross square feet is everything that Pepper will build, including the restrooms and the corridors and the elevators. But when we program, we talk about net square feet. The building, and so you'll see the percentage increase of what we currently have and what we're proposing. You may ask, why is it such a small increase in offices? Well, it's not because we are not having more offices. We are indeed having more offices for future faculty at least. The reason why it's only a small increase is that the faculty were, were, were very magnanimous in agreeing to uh, allow smaller offices than the average current is, although the the, the, the reduction is pretty consistent with the rest of the world. It's about 140 square feet. The average now is closer to 150, but in a cost reduction measure, the faculty agreed to live with smaller offices. They're all going to be sized relatively similarly, um, but that's why it's such a small percentage. On the other hand, you'll see we're almost half again as much space dedicated to teaching labs, research labs, and support labs. Support meaning instrument rooms, prep rooms, storage rooms, all the things outside of the traditional uh, teaching and research labs. Um, so half again as much space for, the, for, for those functions and, and, and even more so space for classrooms and seminars. One of the reasons why that's a disparity is we're bringing psychology who clearly do, still uses classrooms. So we're increasing the number of classrooms so that the hope is that all classes for the sciences, including uh, psychology and, and environmental science, could all happen with it within the Johnson complex, and they don't have to go outside the building for their for the regular classrooms. On a percentage basis, it's the thing that is increased the most, and that's just common student space, like the small seating areas we have now up in, in Johnson. We're increasing those areas tremendously. We'll have spaces on every floor for just unprogrammed places for students to congregate. Um, I think that the world is recognizing the importance of those spaces are just as important as, as, the, as the traditional classrooms. Uh, there's a lot of learning that happens outside of, the, outside of the labs, and we need to provide spaces for that. Questions on program? Good. So after the program, we, we, we understood how much a building we had to build, and, 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 and we knew how much we had. We knew how much we were going to lose, that is in Johnson C, the, the Chicago Center programs. Um, so we looked at the site, we analyzed you know, where the ravines are, where all the sensitivities are, and we looked at uh, a, a number of options. Uh, clearly one of these options we looked at was on the south side, roughly. 
down is roughly south, up is roughly north. So we're looking at the south side as an option to locate the square footage that we needed to. And we looked at different configurations of how that might meet, that might meet the, the, the Johnson A wing on the south side. But we also looked at the north side. Um, there's reasons why it makes sense to, to put buildings there, and we, and we looked at different configurations of the square footage. Uh, ultimately, the preferred option was on the south side, more visibility from the campus. Yes, it has a more of an impact on campus. And yes, it'll be, um, there'll be some inconveniences while it's in construction, but it'll be worth it in the end. Um, we have the sensitivity to the neighbors, which is, was an issue. We want to keep construction noise kind of contained on this side. Um, so for a variety of reasons, this was a preferred site. Sorry for the washed out floor plans, but uh, just to, this is, a, this is what we currently have. The color coding is that the, the, the light orange are the teaching lab spaces. The, uh, the darker orange are the research lab spaces, and the yellow are the, what we call support instrument rooms, storage rooms. Blue are uh, offices. Green, which is the, the building where the, the room we're in now, are, are, are classrooms. Green is classrooms. So that's the lowest level um, as it's currently configured. On the, on the first floor, we have a variety of, uh, in purple, are kind of the shared collaboration spaces, the writing center and math center. Um, a lot of offices in, in Johnson B wing, uh, a lot of research labs in Johnson D wing, the Dixon wing. Um, and for the most part, we're really not changing the mixture of, of uh, clearly not changing D. And for the most part, we're trying to have a, 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 a certain amount of, of teaching labs, classrooms, and support in, in the A wing. Second floor. B wing, and then on the third floor, you, as you know, this, this building doesn't have a third floor. Lots more teaching labs, in this case chemistry, teaching labs, research labs, classrooms, support spaces. So that's, that's how the building is currently organized. At the end of the concept design, this is the, this is the organization we were proposing. Um, trying to keep, keep a certain amount of teaching labs on the lower level, and, and one of the options as we move forward is we want to create a neuroscience hub. That's one of the possible locations of that. That'll be some combination of teaching, research, and support. Um, we're not touching this room. We'll, we'll probably do some cosmetics in, the, in, in this room, but uh, not much change there. The addition on the lower level will have a large mechanical room. Um, the current configuration is slightly different and slightly larger. Proposal was to have a, a, another room, not quite this size, but of, of similar size on the lower level, and then, and then a teaching lab down there. We're still looking at uh, what makes sense down there. But also creating, creating an atrium between the addition and existing Johnson A, so there's a place for students to hang out on, on the lower level, and maybe some type of nice stair that connects that, that atrium element between the addition and, and the existing building. So that's the lower level. The main level is where you would enter. We're, we're proposing to enclose the area between the two buildings with a two-story structure. But the main entry would be maintained in that general location. Um, on the first floor, so you come in, there's a nice two-story lobby here. 
would be some nice displays. You could see the monumental stair that would take you to the, the atrium. And so it's a relatively modest atrium. It's not, not totally grand. It's, it's for cost reasons, uh, we, we need to keep it a, a modest space. But here again, we're also providing, we're proposing a place for students to hang out, lounge space. We're still talking about what, if that's hard seating or soft seating, but a place for students to hang. Um, a mixture of offices similar mixture of teaching labs and research labs and we're still fixing with that right now but the, the addition you can see has three large teaching labs trying to we're trying to establish a, a teaching lab size that could meet a, a, a number of different functions and I'll show you, show you some diagrams that do that suggest that adjacent support rooms or that's prep or storage and then generally offices for faculty and administrators uh, on the south side of the building with with nice views over the campus um, we're trying to get, uh, we're still trying to get daylight into the, the teaching labs, uh, what we would call borrowed light um, across the corridor. Um, th these teaching labs would get daylight from the atrium. Um, it, the atrium will be a, a three-story, four-story uh, structure with some clear story lighting, not glass on the top, but glass on the side up high. Um, and, and this teaching lab would get daylight across the corridor as well as from the, from the atrium. So we're trying to get as much daylight as we can buried in, uh, into the middle of the building. Uh, we're proposing that the first floor of B be primarily shared classrooms. Going up one floor, um, this would be open to below now. Uh, so the student areas would look down into the atrium one floor up. Similar collection of teaching labs and support, similar arrangement of offices. Seminar room, by the way, on each floor uh, from one, two, three. The second floor of B we're proposing to be kind of dry labs uh, related probably to psychology. Um, we're, we're still working through those details, but generally the idea is to have some of the, to have B more or less a dry laboratory building and classroom, whereas the addition and A are the wet labs and, and instrument rooms. And then finally, uh, well, on the third floor then, similarly a collection of three large teaching labs, offices, seminar room. Uh, B, as you know, doesn't, ha doesn't have a, a third floor. We are looking at, since this is an enclosed structure now, to create a green roof on this part of the building. And it's, if anything, that green roof is now growing. There's a new uh, program requirement that has been added, a faculty lounge. So we're looking at increasing the green roof on, on the link between A and, uh, and the B wing. Um, similar mixture of teaching labs and research labs in A. But for the most part, we, we try to replicate this three labs, offices on, on the three major floors. We are having one more floor, though, a small uh, fourth floor. Um, the majority of it is going to be related to mechanical systems, but we are planning to have a greenhouse uh, up here, as well as a research lab and some support space and perhaps a classroom, although that's on the bubble right now. It wasn't part of the program, and engineers might need that space, but uh, there might still be a small space up there. But for the most part, it's a, it's a greenhouse with associated research labs and support space. So that's kind of the, the layering where we were at the end of concept. We're, we're just starting to relook at how things are organized, and it's relatively similar to that, but uh, it, things might change a little bit. 
So I've mentioned those three large teaching labs. Uh, we recognize that those teaching labs need to accommodate a variety of programs, chemistry, biology, physics, uh, uh, psychology, environmental science. So the 30 by 40 dimension that we're using as a standard, we've confirmed can, can be configured in a variety of ways. A lot of the, the physics labs are somewhat arranged this way with kind of peninsula benches. Some of the biology labs are configured on the right. Um, we can do different configurations of those tables depending on the type of uh, uh, group work we want and the degree to which we want students to be able to see easily to the front of the room. This, the, some of the times we've used uh, recently uh, these, these round tables on the end of the peninsulas if, if, we, were on, if we want to support that, that group work, group project work, all the while recognizing that the, at some point we need a teaching wall where people might want to uh, focus for a chalk talk or, or the whole class. I mean, we're trying to design most of the teaching labs to function as classrooms and laboratories. There's new furniture configurations out that kind of combine the group work and eyes forward requirement. And uh, the, the Michael mentioned the, uh, the, uh, the labs up at Carthage College. They have a number of labs that are configured with these kinds of tables that provide that, that mix of good eyes forward if we want to use it as a classroom, but also tables where groups of twos and fours could work on projects together. Point being that 30 by 40 we've confirmed is a pretty good sh shape for a variety of things that we can at least anticipate and for things that we can't anticipate. Over time those, those, those configurations could change. When we get into chemistry where we got to start thinking about fume hoods, we've confirmed that the 30 by 40 can be configured with, with fume hoods as well and still have enough room for the benches and the sinks that uh, chemistry needs. And there's a variety of different fume hood types out there now, some of which are, are primarily glass, so you can see through them. And we've, we've located the fume hoods in the center of classrooms and on, on many projects in the past. So, so we're looking at various configurations of this right now. In the end, we hope to be able to provide spaces that does this. And this is a photograph from our Monmouth College uh, project. Um, the amount of square footage that project devoted to this function was, was, was quite high because of the recognition of the importance of, of these, these types of spaces. Um, at the same time, we want to create research labs that are state-of-the-art and, frankly, comfortable to be in, you know, the kind of places that people want to hang out at uh, all summer long, as I know some of your science students already do. Um, and yet, at the same time, the teaching labs, state-of-the-art, bells and whistles, belts and suspenders, fume hoods, snorkels, services, um, pleasant places that are safe and yet accommodate all the things that science needs today. But th this is the goal of, of what, what we want this, this building to be. In terms of what we think this building might look like, so here's a, here's a, a rendering of what, uh, what Johnson, uh, the Science Center, looks like today. And our, our, our hope, uh, or rather the, the current uh, concept design suggests a larger building. It's got an extra story. We're proposing to locate a, a greenhouse on the roof that would, would form kind of the, the beacon. If the library has a clock tower, we have a greenhouse. Um, stacked above uh, the seminar rooms as, as, as an architectural feature, um, yet with a counterpoint of an observatory uh, for physics. Uh, and we're working through the details of how big that needs to be and how tall to be able to 
be able to project over the, uh, the, the fourth floor, which is, as we said, mostly mechanical rooms, but there'd be some, some spaces, uh, some, some research labs in the back. Green roof we talked about would be here, as well as up here. If you remember, the, the, the fourth floor steps back, so the plan is to have a green roof on that part of the building as well. So we, we might be looking at two green roofs of different, different types, depending because of the orientation of the building. This is just a flyover then to give you a better idea what, what it looks like. And uh, we can look, look at this a couple times. Um, this, is, this area is changing. Uh, greenhouse, observatory, uh, clearly have some changes to the, the way the, uh, the paths work. Um, and there'll be a couple other uh, mechanical items that pop up here once we get further on the project. But, uh, it, it, in terms of overall height, the, this building is just slightly bigger than the current building, um, but it is, it is on, as it presents on the campus, of a significant, uh, significant facade. Let's see, I can back up and look at that one more time if we want. This is basically the, the, the end of the presentation, so you can start getting your questions ready. Faculty offices all having a view of the, the, the quad. Green roof there. Clear story, clear story the, the, the glass for the atrium would face north. Um, so we're not proposing skylights at this time. They, they, over time, they tend to be a maintenance headache. And uh, we think with a big enough clear story light, we'll get very nice, almost museum quality light, this very diffuse, consistent light throughout the day and not any glaring heat, heat gain. But uh, facing north, we'll get a very nice, very peaceful quality of natural light. So that, I'll end on that slide, and um, I'll welcome any of your questions. Please, here. Um, in the metrics, you, you said that the interdisciplinary was the number of yeah. really Based on your, the other renovations or expansions that we've done, yeah. aside from just putting those departments in the building, yeah. how do you ensure, is, is, it, is that positioning of the offices, the lab? Yeah. Um, how did, what really goes into the nitty gritty? Yeah, great question. Uh, it, it's something we think about a lot because we've worked on a lot of campuses like yours and we've also worked at Cornell and Harvard at MIT. And a lot of folks will tell us that, for instance, at Cornell we said, what, what could we do for this physical sciences building to do just that? What can we do to support interdisciplinary? And their comment was, you know, we collaborate on interdisciplinary projects already with people out of this country. It's, it's more of an attitude. So there's some things we cannot control, but what we've learned from that was the things that we can control are creating a building where everybody feels like they're a partner in it and that, and that everybody's treated to the same level so that there's no fences. It's all part of the same program. Creating visibility in the building so that atrium 
not only is it going to provide nice places for students, but just the ability to see people coming and going from, from the different disciplines, to, so that it's, you're not sequestered in the, your lab behind closed doors, but rather you're seen and you're, part, you're, you're, you're consistently confirmed that you're part of this, this, this center. Um, and then having places for a, to, get a, to sit down with a student or a fellow faculty member outside of class, so places where you can have in, on, on neutral ground where you can have those conversations about interdisciplinary work. And then the final thing is creating flexibility to allow things to change over time, whether it be in the research labs or in the instructional labs, but to support different mixtures as they evolve over time. But there's levels of things that we, we think about, but it's, it all goes back to creating a place that we all feel like we're part of and we're more comfortable to, to, to interact with each other and work on programs. You guys know how it is now. I mean, you essentially have three floors right. and three departments. Yep. You're adding in just, just new blood. Yep. Uh, but you're not really, uh, the whole building's bigger. Yeah. Right. It's clearly the same number of floors. Right. And so, uh, I just don't wonder how that's all going to. Yeah, no, no. Can, can everybody hear the question in the back, too? You're, you're, I'm seeing nodding heads. I, mean, I, I in terms of like, because I think certain departments are probably taking ownership essentially of the floors now. Understood. Um, I mean, I'm sure that's what a lot of the negotiations are going on, but... Uh, we call them conversations. <laughs> uh, you know, the, at, at some point, there, there's, there's certain functionality issues that begin to describe the most ideal arrangement of spaces. And, and you're right, unfortunately, it begins to appear as if we're just recreating the silos, as they say. And, and Unfortunately, function does take over. If there's an autoclave and, we, and the biology needs autoclaves, well, we can have autoclaves all over the building so that we can disperse biology, but that's not, that's not a good reason. You know, so there's certain adjacencies that just begin to set up these areas that are predominantly one science or the other. But I think it's on the fringes where we can begin to have those connections. But as, uh, that's why I mentioned this notion of visibility. It's also, it's also creating a building that supports it almost in spirit or emotionally, not just physically, to, so that people have the, have the attitude, rather. You know, we're, I think we're trying to shape people's attitude that interdisciplinary is the right thing to do, and people are, feel comfortable in the building and are more apt to do it. So, It's a struggle we have. You know, how do you, I mean, we, you don't want to create a building, and, and they've done it before, Wellesley College. When they did their building many years ago, they created an office wing and they purposefully put nursing next to math, next to physics, next to chemistry. They did it on purpose to get that interdisciplinary. Over time, they've all crept back to begin to create their own little domains. But they, the reason was that those are the conversations they tend to have more often than not. So it's a fine line between doing one or the other, but we break it down to creating a building that we all feel comfortable and equal in, and therefore we feel more comfortable sharing and collaborating. That's a good question. In the back, please. Yes, yeah, 
Yeah, so this, this room will remain in its current status. Uh, as I said, we might, we might do some cosmetics, but uh, uh, nothing terribly dramatically different in this, this room. In terms of the writing center, yes, it, it will find a new home. That's my understanding. Yep, yep. That, that. To be honest, I don't think we have direct solutions of that, but the yeah, dean might, might have some. keep them short and simple. Um, there's, there's simple things that we've learned we can do that, that aren't really high-tech, just taking simple good ideas that have worked in the past and, and, and using them in a slightly different way. I'll give you an example. So the laboratories, uh, by code, uh, require 100% outside air. So the air inside every laboratory will be changed. We won't recycle any air in those labs. There was once a time when the requirement was for uh, 15 or 16 air changes an hour, sometimes up to 20 air changes. 10 air changes an hour is relatively ex uh, generally acceptable today. So every six minutes, the air in those labs is exhausted and fresh air is, is provided. Uh, you can imagine the amount of energy that is used to heat and cool in this climate, that air, humidify and dehumidify at the same time. Lots of energy in just moving air. So we pay a lot of attention on how we're going to move the air through the building and, and what we do with that air. Um, one of the things that have been done in the past is uh, uh, something called nighttime setback. Uh, so we used to be on a clock at, at, at some hour. The, the things would ramp down and we would changed the air more slowly when we were convinced there was nobody in the labs. Um, now we have, now we have uh, uh, occupancy sensors that tell us to do that, and we can do that at, in the evening hours. Uh, but we learned we could do it all day long if we wanted to. I mean, with those occupancy sensors, if there's nobody in that, let's say, a teaching lab that's 1,200 square feet, uh, even for an hour, there's no reason to be changing the air at the same rate. Or, what we've learned more recently, what we can do is let the temperature float. So in the cooling uh, season, uh, we can let that temperature rise 5 degrees, say. And in the heating season, we can let that temperature drop 5 degrees. As soon as somebody occupies that lab, within six minutes, the temperature comes back up to what it, or down to what it was supposed to be. We've learned we save more energy doing that than almost any, every other idea that we have. Now we can still, however, 
take all of the exhaust and recover any heat that is exhausting and reintroduce that with a closed loop glycol system. Uh, so heat reheat or, or heat recovery is, is pretty popular in science buildings. Uh, those two things right there will probably be the most cost the, mo the, the save the most money in operation. But we can go a little bit further too. So it, you, you've seen ductwork. Uh, and and it, it, you often see a big, where, where it starts out, it's very big, and at the end of the line, it's very small. You can do that. Or you can run that ductwork the same profile all the way to the end. Yes, you pay for a little bit more sheet metal, but you don't pay for the fittings that neck it down at each junction. Those fittings create static pressure, requires the fan to be bigger to push, to push the air through it. Um, you save money on labor, so it's a little bit cheaper to build. Yes, there's a little bit money more metal to buy, but you, you save money to, to, on the labor. And you build in all this flexibility to be able to move a fuel if you want. But the best part, getting back to your, your question, is I can now reduce the fan because I don't have all those, those fittings that, that increase the static pressure. I can run that air at a lower pace. I can ramp the, the, the fan down it's to, a, to a smaller fan and use electric, less electricity pushing all the air through the system. Um, so there's things like that. Uh, we are looking at a separate, at the moment, we're looking at a separate air, uh, air, uh, air system for the offices. Um, that's one way to save money, but we also might want to look at just having the same system for the offices and the labs and, and reuse all the air from the offices that we would normally exhaust because we've got to have a certain amount of ventilation air for the offices, and to get that ventilation air, we often discharge some. But we can route all of the office air into the labs and use that as makeup air. So point being, we focus on the mechanical systems for the, for the energy efficiency because there's so much energy being, being used in heating and cooling the building. Um, are you familiar with the LEED energy rate? So uh, leadership and I never remember, what is it? Ener environmental and energy design, something like that. Um, different ratings, so certified silver, gold, platinum. Um, the project that we did at Cornell, we came three points short of platinum, and our goal is really just silver. But because of these kinds of ideas, we can, we can achieve tremendous energy efficiency with simple ideas that don't cost a lot of money and, get, uh, and are paid back in a very short period of time. So. Other questions? Here, please. Um, I have two questions related to accessibility. Um, first, will the labs um, include accessible wheelchair accessible uh, workstations? Absolutely. Excellent. We don't have a choice. It's by, it's the law. It's not even just a building code. Is it's law. So so absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, my second question is related to the. Um, the, the teaching auditorium spaces in the Johnson A building. Yep. Some of those um, it currently include steps in. Yep. Yep. Um, will those rooms be remodeled? It's interesting, yeah. And to pair those two comments together, we had that conversation just yesterday. What What are we going to do? So, the the short answer is. The plan is to leave them in place, and we looked at the structural drawings. Those are concrete tiers. I don't think they're structural, but they are concrete. It, it's going to be uh, somewhat expensive to take them out, but at the same time, we need to address the accessibility issue there. So stay tuned. We don't have a solution, but we're, but we're aware of it. I mean, we were talking to that very issue just yesterday. How are we going to solve the, uh, the accessibility issue and, and not take out the tiers? But we will, we will solve it. One more. Come on, please. 
All the windows create for a nice striking appearance from the outside. Okay. I like you talk about the, the light diffused in the building. Yeah. Has there been thought into window placement and atrium placement with the view out with beautiful campus, but if, hey, the best window to look out is staring into the side of a tree, yes. you, you lose the, the opportunity right. there. Uh, we have thought about that, but as as your question implies, you know, the, the existing A is kind of dictating a lot the way it's organized. But frankly, I think we're pretty happy the way things have come out. Um, all the offices have a southern view uh, of, of the campus. Um, the atrium has a northern view where we don't want heat gain, uh, you know, the, 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 the clear story lighting. So. Uh, so overall, I think we're pretty happy with the with where the, the glazing orientation. Yes, uh, we we do need to attend to uh, heat gain and, and glare uh, on the offices. So we'll be looking very carefully at the type of glazing, and and although we're not showing it yet, we may be looking at options that have some um, sunshades on the on the south facing glazing or fenestration, a fancy word architects use. Um, uh, so we, 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 to be honest, that that's what you saw was a concept. That kind of thing will definitely develop in in schematics and even more so in design development. That's the kind of detail that we we will get into in schematics, but more importantly, design de development concept. We didn't struggle with that just yet, but we will be. Thanks. Thanks for that. If not, I'll let Michael wrap it up. I mean, thanks everybody for for attending. Um, we will we do have a, a website um, on the public site on the college, which will be continue to add more information to as it develops. Uh, as Mike has indicated, we're in a very dynamic phase. The, the, the floor plans you saw, many of them are going to adjust and change. Uh, but certainly, as we get more information about where the project is, we'll be posting it on on, on the web and trying to keep the campus well informed about the project. So, thanks very much for coming. Thank you.